Make way for the King of Kings. <laughs> oh, my days. Right. Let's just, oh, Lord, we love you. Let's just close with this. Um, my Jesus, my going to sing your praises and when our earthly breath runs out we're going to do it forever and ever and ever we adore you lord we give you all the praise all the glory thank you lord we make way for you our king of kings mm. Mm. and you know because of the blood of jesus we yoke together as god's family brothers and sisters uh, knitted in and grafted into what god began thousands of years ago and is working out all over the earth. And we're going to express that now in the words of the peace. So Ashington at 11, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Isn't that beautiful? We've just had a prayer meeting. And what happens after it? Everyone's happy and full of joy. Isn't that how it should be? <laughs> That's so good. Um, it's a joy... Joy, this is my voice breaks. It's a joy to be um, back. I've been on a tour of the other congregations of the church in recent weeks. I've got some good news. God is moving. God is alive. Everyone's hungry. Everyone's pushing in for more. We're united. Awesome things are happening. The Spirit of God is moving in Washington and Buncton. It's awesome. So um, praise the Lord. We're going to gather around for a few moments. I don't know if it feels like home time now. <laughs> but we're going to gather around the Lord's Word and, um, and see what the Holy Spirit has to say for us. So, uh, The reading today is from Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and he would and they would have kept him from leaving them but he said to them 
I must preach the good news to other towns as well. For this reason I was sent, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Thank you much. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word that divides soul from spirit. And we pray, would you speak to our spirits now? Make us more like Jesus, we pray. <laughs> May your kingdom expand and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a joy to be here. Uh, Lou's going to say hi in a moment. Do you want to say hi now? Hi. Thanks, Lou. Um, seems like quite a random couple of verses, and we're um, almost, well, I think we are at the end of Luke chapter 4, which means that we're about 16 or 17 chapters away from the cross and the resurrection, which we're celebrating this coming week. So we're not going to read Luke next Sunday. Uh, we're actually going to turn back to one of the prophets and look at them prophesying the resurrection on Easter Sunday. That's going to be Daniel 12 in seven days' time. But in a year's time, we've timed this beautifully. Wherever we are and whatever's going on in the world, in a year's time, we're going to be reading Luke's account of the cross and the resurrection uh, and we'll almost be coming into land for our series. So uh, today we just want to look at these couple of verses, then we're going to have a break for a week, and then in two weeks' time we're going to start on really the, the gathering of Jesus' disciples, the training of the disciples um, in the following five chapters after Luke 4. Um, what's going on around this particular, these particular three verses are a couple of things. Number one, Jesus has just announced his ministry. Two weeks ago, you should have read this, when he marched into Nazareth, his hometown, and declared the messianic age has begun. Isaiah 61 is now going to happen, and I am the Messiah. And then, what do they say? Awesome, Jesus, we can't wait. No, they took him to the nearest cliff they could find and tried to murder him. Uh, so, as <laughs> some comfort to us as we try and serve the Lord in uh, politically correct 21st century UK, isn't it? Um, and uh, 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 so Jesus goes back to Capernaum uh, to a much more cosmopolitan place, a much more less seemingly influential place, and he goes to the synagogue, he delivers someone of a demon, then he goes to his mate's house, his mate's mother-in-law, that's Peter, she's got a fever. He seems to deliver her as well from the fever. Then everybody hears, they gather at Peter's house and they have a revival meeting. Everybody is brought who's sick in the whole vicinity. Everybody's healed. Everybody has demons coming out of them. And it's just full-blown revival. And then we get these verses. So that's what we're going to um, do. And we're going to look at three components. We only got to one at the nine. Um, but we're going to look at three components, and we're going to go in reverse order, looking at verse 44 first, and then verse 43, and then verse 42, and look at what Jesus does in response to a full-on kickoff day of breakthrough ministry at his mate's house. Okay, so verse 43 is basically where Luke is saying, this is the purpose of Jesus' ministry. So all the crowds are around him. We've just had the healing and miracles and all that kind of thing. And Jesus has gone away. 
but then they've come back to him saying, you can't go. They tried to hold on to him. You can't go anywhere. My sister hasn't heard about it. My son hasn't heard about it. This person's still sick. You can't go. You've got to stay here. But actually what Jesus says in that moment is, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities, for I was sent for this purpose. You see, Jesus' ministry wasn't just about that place at that time. He was about going to the other synagogues in the city, sharing as much of the good news as he possibly could in the time he had. It wasn't just meant to be kept um, just in one small place. It was the good news of the kingdom of God was meant to be shared. So before um, we go on, we just want to ponder, first of all, what is the good news, though? And what does it mean, the, the, the good news of the kingdom of God? And also, in what way do we continue with that proclamation of the kingdom of God? If we go according to what we've just learned in Luke, you know, we'll talk a lot about the kingdom in our church, but actually it's important just to think, like, what is being proclaimed and how is that good news? And to go back just to what's happened earlier in the chapter, what Jesus essentially has announced is everything you've longed for in God... Everything that God has promised to do, everything that you've been desiring and praying for, that is being fulfilled now, today. And I'm the guy who's bringing this, and I'm the guy who is unfolding this. And then he goes and demonstrates it through his actions at Capernaum, through deliverance, through healing. He goes and shows that this isn't just something we think about. This isn't something just we cognitively discuss. But this actually has real material breakthrough and impact in our lives. And there's um, a great picture up on the screen that we've used for this series. And that is from Easter Sunday 2022. And uh, I'm about to go and celebrate my 10th sunrise in this place uh, on Easter Sunday coming uh, in seven days' time. And for nine of those Easter, or for eight of those Easter's before last year, it was like dark, and then it went to a slightly lighter sh shade of black, and then it went to a dark shade of gray, and then it got to like eight o'clock and we all walked down the hill. Because it was so cloudy, we didn't see any sunrise. But a year ago, honestly, it, it was like we're all up there, we get there in time, then suddenly the first ray comes over the horizon, and bang, it's almost like it hits you in the face. It comes over the horizon, the sun begins to rise, and it cascades this radiant light right across the land. And the light, as it rises, you kind of see darkness retreating. There's still some shadows there, but the lights, as the sun begins to rise, is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And this is what it's like to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Not everything is sorted. There are still some shadows that we live with, but the sun is rising and it's cascading light and darkness is retreating. So when Jesus says, I'm proclaiming the good news, this is the time that we're living in. It doesn't matter what's going on in politics, economics, cost of living, da-da-da-da-da. Wars are all around the world. Jesus warned us we'll have those, but what's happening is the sun of righteousness is rising. The Son of God has risen from the dead, and His light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen. I oh, know, I meant to say something else. That, yeah, great. Um, now, what we want. <laughs> 
Now, what we want to talk about now is how Jesus draws attention, having been demonstrating the kingdom. In this, he says, my purpose is to proclaim the kingdom. Now, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Anybody heard that? Everybody goes, oh, thank goodness. Preaching the gospel means I can, you know, wash my neighbor's car, and I can bake them a cake, and I can smile nicely, and I can go into the ministry of niceness. And if I'm really, really nice, and if I'm really, really kind, then sometime, someday, they're going to say, please, will you tell me about Jesus? And the, does this make sense? I've, I've washed so many cars, and I've actually baked so many cakes. And we've been nice, nice, nice. But let me tell you this for free now. Are you ready for a, a nugget? No one will ask you to tell them about Jesus. No one will, however nice you are. They know you're nice. They know you're kind. They probably know you go to church. But at some point, you have to pop the question. And the question is, do you know Jesus Christ? Maybe less aggressively than that. <laughs> but I, I just... I just wanted to draw our attention to is the good news needs proclaiming. Because when we stand before Jesus at the end of our lives and he says, what did you do with the time I gave you? And we say, well, I washed loads of cars and I was really hoping that they would say, what is motivating you to wash that car for me? Or why do you not gossip at work? Or, Can you tell me about the Son of God? You know, no. We're going to stand before him and we're given account for what we did. And, and so I just want to say to us, Lou's going to expand a bit more of this. We've got to pop the question. Because no one will ask for it. The New Testament says, how will they know if they're not told? And so, this, and not everyone's going to get dragged along to church either. This is for you and I. To say in our lives, do you know Jesus? You know, I was at Washington last week. And I met a guy well into his 80s. He must be. And he's called Ken. And he told me that um, uh, four weeks ago, he was a complete non-believer. Four weeks later, having someone from the congregation had prayed and asked him if he knew Jesus and would he like to invite him into his life. And he did. And he said, four weeks later, I'm a believer. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many people tried that before they found before whoever it was found him in his mid-80s. But I tell you what, there is rejoicing. And that guy is going to be a brother of ours in heaven because someone said, do you know Jesus? And would you like to know him? They proclaim the good news to him. We shouldn't preach with him, should I? Because he just talks Sorry. and talks and talks. <laughs> I just want to share because I... I'd say over the last six weeks or something, the Lord's been really stirring my heart about people who don't know Jesus. And I found, again, reading this passage just really, really challenging because I think I probably slipped into the, well, I'll demonstrate the gospel. I'll pray for someone if they're sick. I'll pray for someone if they're in need. I'll pray for someone, you know, that kind of thing. Or I'll cook a meal. Or I'll... I, I was more about the demonstrating, which is all good and that's what Jesus did as well so it's not one without the other but I think I discovered I've lost the the kind of the passion and the zeal and the ability to share the gospel with people and there, 
it kind of gave me a bit of a wake-up call, but obviously it's the Lord's story that's stirring my heart as well. And uh, I was trying to think about when I first met the Lord, and I met the Lord as a teenager. And if you know me, you'll know I'm an external processor. processor. So when I came to know the Lord, I just externally processed Jesus, which was awesome. All of my teenage friends, they weren't Christians. I was at school with no Christian friends. I was at a church with hardly any teenagers. But because Jesus had turned my life around, he was real. You know, he was just the most amazing person in my life. And once I... Um, once I gave my life to the Lord, my life completely changed to 100% following after him. He became my everything. So I'd be, Jesus this, Jesus that. I'd be having sleepovers with my best friends. And instead of talking about boys, I'd be saying, have you met Jesus? Do you know about him? And just telling them about Jesus constantly. And I, I'd invite them to church. I'd invite them to Christian meetings or Christian camps. And then I'm thinking... Then I got involved in church ministry, and I don't tell anyone outside of the church about Jesus. And it, it just really it called me up short. And I thought, do you know what? The reason I kept on telling people about Jesus was because I just fell in love with him. And I still do now, but it was a challenge of, gosh, do I just keep my faith to myself too much? You know, do I go to the shop and if someone's sharing their life with me, you know, in terms of, oh, I've got back pain, do I just kind of go, oh, that's sad? Or do I go, hey, let me introduce you to someone who can change that for you? you know, do I, on the school gates, do I ask the other mums and dads how they're doing? Because the minute you spend time with someone, it doesn't take long for them to share something that's going quite badly in their life. And then you have a boom opportunity to, hey, you know, tell me more about that. How's it going? Take an interest in their life and then bring Jesus into that and it's it's actually so much easier than we think and I think it, it's that understanding that Jesus came not just for me not just for you he came for the whole world and if we don't go about telling people and bringing the different story to their lives who is going to do it and I was reminded in worship how um, when, when Jesus said, he looked out at the crowds and they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless. And I thought, nothing's changed. If we look into our world now, people are like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed, they are helpless. And Jesus had compassion on them. And do we share that compassion for our world? Not in a victorious, we know best, but actually a uh, We've got a different story. You know, Jesus has hope. Jesus has the answers that we're looking for. And it struck me, we were watching, does anybody watch Race Across the World? We love that program. It's uh, where there's teams of people and they start at one point in Canada and then they have to get right to the other, the other end of the country over however many weeks and they have a small budget and this kind of thing. It's really fun because we love Canada. And there was, there was this one lady the other night, and she was saying, um, oh, I've got to have everything in the plan. I've got to make sure I'm driving. I don't want anybody else to drive. I've got to have lists, and no, I've got to stick to my plan. I can't deviate. She was a compliance officer, and she said she loved, she loved rotors, and, you know, all this kind of thing. But you could actually see how bound she was by that, because it was all about, I've got to be in control, because... Otherwise, I'm going to feel out of control, and then I'm going to feel afraid. 
And I sat there and I said to our children, wow, I'm so thankful for Jesus, aren't you? That you know, actually the hope that we have in Jesus is we can feel safe, we can feel secure. You know, our hope is in him, not in whether we're driving and we're safe in our own kind of driving, but actually we can trust him, the bigger picture. And, and that's what, you know, we've got to remember that there is a different story in this world and not to, not to keep our eyes down here, but to keep lifting our gaze up to the Lord and, and to not, not stick in, um, you know, if it's fear or whatever, if you're feeling fearful, not to stay here, but to put our eyes up to the Lord. And the good news of Jesus is that he helps us then in our fear and he either gives us peace or he changes situations or he draws near to us. And it's good news that his reign is here now and it can change our life and it can change others. So good. Yeah. I, I think it's not, a, it's not a formula, but one of the ways of discerning what God is about to do is to look at what the enemy is trying to dissuade us from doing. So the world's very offendable and very politically correct right now, isn't it? That says to me, there's a massive harvest that is not far away that's going to involve the proclaiming of the gospel. So the best way of distracting us from that is to make us fearful and turned in and afraid of upsetting people. Um, and I think we just wanted to say, let us proclaim the good news. The Lord's doing a deep work in the church, but hey, the mission hasn't changed. Jesus was sent for this purpose, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Should we do that? I was thinking it's Easter Sunday next week. We're going to baptize. We're going to talk about the resurrection, how there's no fear in life because Jesus has been raised from the dead and so will we be at the end of time. Should we invite someone to church? Wow, that's a crazy plan. I'm serious. Should we, should we just do that? Should we all commit to inviting someone who doesn't know Jesus to church on Sunday? You know, to give them a chance to hear the good news. Should we do that? Everyone seemed a bit more positive a minute ago. <laughs> right. We've got 60 seconds. Okay. Look at the person next to you and decide between you who is the bravest. Ready? So there's obviously lengthy discussions on bravery going on. Um, so what I want you to do, the brave one maybe is okay. So the non-brave one, you need, to, you need to, in 60 seconds, share your best version of the gospel with the brave person. Okay? As if you'd never met them before. Share the good news. Brilliant. Well done, tech guys. You're awesome. So good. Wow, the salvation just springing up from the ground all over the room. Well done. <laughs> One thing we say very often is part of being church is, is training. It's equipping for our lives. You know, equipping us for the ministry of the church, which is to be sent and to go out. So listen, let's just have fun. Let's practice it. Um, and get into the habit of proclaiming the good news. Now, we want to move now to the second component, reversing back to verse 43. And what we've got is everybody not wanting Jesus to leave. 
full-blown revivals broken out at Peter's house. Everybody's coming. You know, because we live in the Western capitalist-shaped, you know, culture, we want to maximize growth, you know, invest in what's working, all of those things. So we would definitely say, come on, let's go day two. Let's go day three. Let's get a stage. Let's get some speakers. You know, let, let's fly someone in who's really good at preaching. Everyone's coming now. It's working. The church is working. Oh, my goodness. And um, Jesus seems to do something very, very different. He leaves them all behind, leaves behind revival, and goes off to a deserted place. And when they find him, they're like, Jesus, you can't go. This, come on, it's game on. And Jesus announces his purpose and goes on to a different place. And we find that incredibly challenging. And again, it, it's just remembering, going back to the purpose of Jesus' ministry. He knew his direction of travel. He was utterly led by his mission, by his purpose. Uh, and just the question again, what is the motivating factor that drives us? Is it that we know that we're called on that same mission as Jesus to proclaim the gospel, whether it's in action or in word? Or is it about success or failure? And both of those things are just not great. So with success, you know, maybe if we were in Jesus' situation then, we would have gone, great, people are loving it. It's, it's working. It's going really well. And just stayed there. And it's the same with, you know, if we're praying for someone and they get healed or if we're telling them about Jesus and they are uh, really into it and they are deciding to give their life to the Lord, that's all great when it's going well. But when someone says, no, I don't want you to pray for me, or if someone doesn't get healed or if someone's life doesn't get transformed if they, or if they don't want to know about Jesus, then that success that has been driving you is not there anymore. And it's just the, the question of what is driving you and just to make sure we are all driven by his mission, not our own mission and not our own um, successes. And then the people pleasing as well. That's my big thing. I think if I were in that situation and people were like, don't leave, don't leave, I'd go, okay, I'm not going to leave. But actually, again, he, Jesus knew the mission he was on. And I need to remember what mission I'm on, not my own mission, not even the mission for all the different people I'm on, Jesus's mission. And I'm going to follow where he leads me. And I'm going to talk to who he tells me to talk to. Do you know what I mean? So just let's make sure it's not people pleasing, it's not successes, and it's not failure that is driving us. But actually knowing our purpose is exactly the same as Jesus's, And that's proclaiming, declaring, demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. Yeah, so good. Um, I think the other part of that is our hearts were fractured away from God in the fall, which means that we naturally, without the Lord transforming us, we naturally move away from God rather than towards him. So let me just apply that to, has anybody, has anybody prayed for someone and there's been great breakthrough, rather the person's been touched by the Lord or... Um, they've been healed or you've had a really incisive word for them. Has anybody experienced that? Have you noticed the next person you pray for, it's really easy to try and do it the same way? You notice that? Now, why is that? It's because naturally we find something that works and then we put it to work 
And we miss the bit that makes it fruitful, which is abiding in Jesus and is leaning in and asking him afresh, how are you working now? How can I join in with what you're doing? Because what the Lord loves is relationship. So he loves us leaning in and finding out and checking rather than just putting our formulas and plans to work. So, I think we are... Okay, we're just... We're re- the children need collecting. We're running out of time, and we're trying to make, make a plan. Um, okay. Uh, and then we get a reverse back to the very start now of the passage, which basically showed us that Jesus did all the amazing things one day. He went to sleep overnight. He got up at daybreak, which I'm like, thank the Lord he didn't get up before daybreak. He got up at daybreak, <laughs> which is a joy to my heart who likes sleep. Anyway, he got up at daybreak, and then he went to a deserted place. Now, Luke doesn't specifically say he went, time to spend, he went away to spend time with the Father, but he implies that. And, um, and so the only way that Jesus can stay connected to the Father, connected to knowing his purpose in life, is simply through spending time with the Lord, which we all know, but how easy is it to do? And I think... Again, we just want to say, if all of us are passionate about Jesus, which I know we are, passionate about um, sharing the good news of his kingdom, we can't do that in our own strength. You simply can't. We can't give out from what we don't have. It comes from spending time with the Lord. I was thinking about If anyone likes cooking here, you know, when you marinate something, you put a marinade, you put the chicken or the pork or the beef or whatever, or vegetables inside it, and then that takes on the flavor of the marinade that it's in. And actually, that's what it's like when we spend time with the Lord. We marinate, we become flavored with the Lord. We become, we smell like him, we sound like him, we taste like him. And that is the only way, that's the only thing we've got to offer other people is we connect with him, we get changed, we get transformed, we fall in love with him, we, we um, allow more of his kingdom in our own life through sacrificing our own desires and, and the flesh and allow more of him in our own life and then we can send some of that to the people we meet. And there's no shortcut for that. We all know that. And we just want to encourage us all, as James Aladrin did a couple of weeks ago, we've got to get before the Lord. Nothing can replace that. No time with someone else, no, no listening to a talk, nothing can get, nothing comes close to us spending time for ourselves with the Lord. Yeah, really good. It's interesting that Jesus gets up at daybreak and, uh, and, and gets away to a deserted place. And I think what's really interesting is um, it, I was reading a few years ago a book on prayer by Yong Yi Cho. You heard of him? He had this massive monster church in South Korea. And um, he used to get up at 4 a.m. every day and pray for three hours before the day started. So I was like, oh, my days. Um, 
Well, it worked. I mean, that, his church has been part of changing a nation. So I was like, okay, here we go. Then I read on a few chapters, and he goes to bed at 8 o'clock every night. Whereas, you know, he doesn't go to bed at 11 o'clock. And, uh, and I think one key principle I'm just trying to draw out from that is simplifying our lives to give to the Lord, to give to his people, and then to proclaim the gospel. You know, so we, we can't be really busy all the time and expect to have an incredibly intimate relationship with God. We just can't. And, you know, we might be sort of joyful and light and all of those things, but there's a seriousness and a, and a givenness to the Lord that we practice and many practice in this church, which means that we can't just fit him in. It's like he comes first and then we organize our lives. And I think there's that, that sort of dedicated simplicity of life to give ourselves to the Lord, which is just so key to this. I think we're done. I hope that wasn't too all over the place. It's probably my fault if it was. Um, but uh, we'd love to pray for, well, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit and see what's, what he wants to do. But we, we really want to pray for uh, one thing this morning, which is a boldness in proclaiming the gospel. Gentleness, love, joy, lightness, all of those things, but a boldness to pop the question and to say uh, to people, do you know Jesus? Why don't we stand together?